Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Jeremy Smith and Peter Rutzler. This Halloween weekend has been rather frightening for some in league, um, but who fell for all the tricks and who got all the treats? Well, certainly my voice didn't, but all that and more, including your questions after the latest headlines. Paris Saint-Germain maintained their 100% home record in all competitions this season with a comfortable 3-0 win over Strudley Nice on Friday evening. An Edison Cavani brace before a Dante own goal sent the away side into 17th in the table. On Saturday, Monaco continued their recovery with a solid 2-0 away win against Bordeaux. Kaita Balde's second in two games, along with the first strike of the season from Tomé Lamar, sealed the win for the reigning champions. In the multiplex, Nantes' eight-game unbeaten run came to an end, losing 1-0 to Dijon, with Le Canary still feeling the effects of a cup upset in midweek to Tours. Elsewhere, Caen returned to winning ways with a 1-0 win over Troyes, thanks to a Ronnie Rodland strike, while Rennes beat informer Pellier by the same scoreline at the Stade de la Mousson. Gengomp were held to a one-all draw with Amiens, while Strasbourg had Martin Terrier to thank after allowing Angers to come back from a goal down to lead, only for the French Youth International to save a point in an entertaining two-all draw. On Sunday, Lyon continued their recent fine form with a 2-0 victory over lowly Mets with captain Nabil Fakir at the double, while Saint-Étienne withstood a Toulouse barrage, really, to earn a point from Le Violet. And in the weekend's final match, Marseille edged a 1-0 win against their former boss, Marcello Bielsa's Lille team. The hosts had numerous chances to equalise, but struggled to find a way past a stubborn Loem. And finally, in breaking news today, French manager Didier Deschamps has signed a new contract with the, with the national side until 2020. And that's the news. But remember, to stay up to date with all your French football news, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week in Paris, where PSG dominated a wounded Nice team, even without their Brazilian superstar Neymar. Um, Peter, was this one of the team's most routine wins of the season so far? Yeah, it became that, didn't it? Um, the early goal certainly helped. Uh, it was a good free kick from Di Maria and Cavani. With, it was a very good header, actually. Um, and that, that set the tone, really. And um, Nice... We're very reflective of their recent form. They're very tepid. They didn't offer very much. And it's a shame, really, because PSG, I think, were there to be challenged. I think without um, Thiago Motta, um, you know, we, we often deride him for uh, the mistakes he has in him. But he is the, the sort of metronomic plug to the team, if you like. And um, without him, it's always an interesting test to see how PSG will cope. Um, but, yeah, they, they didn't offer very much. Uh, they went with the back five, Nice, and um, Wesley Schneider got his first start, so it would have been nice to see what he could have offered in a, a more creative capacity, but he didn't offer anything going forward or going back. It didn't look like we're going to see uh, a fruitful relationship between him and Balotelli. But yeah, in the end, it was really routine for PSG, um, and lots of positives to take from the game for them, especially Angel Di Maria. Uh, he looked very good. He'll be very disappointed not to start tonight against Andalek even though there was much talk about Mbappe being potentially dropped, that, that hasn't materialised. Um, but yeah, it, it was a very easy game. Cavani scored twice, of course. I'm sure we'll talk about him. Um, it's just a shame that Nice didn't offer very much at all, especially in the first half, to really test them. Um, but I, the early goal was certainly important to that. Um, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm very disappointed, really, because Although Nice have, you know, underperformed this season, and as we said in the intro, they're the seventeenth at the moment because of recent form. Uh, it would have been nice to see a reaction, um, especially in the Parc de France, to to really push PSG. A lot of sides have gone there and done that, uh, but Nice didn't. So, yeah, it was definitely one of the most routine wins for, for PSG. Yeah, and Peter makes a good point. Um... Jez, in the story that really came up over the weekend, really, and, and I know Jonathan Johnson was reporting it as well about Kylian Mbappe, there were reports they might drop him for the 
and the late game, maybe possibly to save him a little bit, but also supposedly, quote-unquote, due to poor form. And I'm just looking at the stats more than anything. It's it's 10 games in a Paris Saint-Germain year, and that's four goals and five assists. That's not too bad, is it? <laughs> I mean, I, I suppose maybe if you look at those stats, possibly they're more at the front end of those 10 games. But still, I mean, he's kind of not created a rod for his own back, but, you know it's crazy to expect so much of an 18 year old, but he just looks such a great player that a tiny drop in form and people start asking questions, which is, is unfair, but it's in a way it's very flattering, I suppose. Um, you know, he's still even on uh, against Nice, he still had a few good runs, a couple of decent chances as the, the shot at the end from an angle which sort of hit the side netting if that had gone in I think people would still be raving about it now sort of four days later um you know he he deserves maybe a, a bit of a break but then others would say you know he's been so lucky in his career or just to you know have the ability that he's got and everything that um you know maybe it's a little bit of karma getting their own back but overall I think he's massively in credit and Maybe it would do him good to have, you know, start a match or two on the bench. But, you know, I, I don't think it, anyone could possibly take that as sort of a real criticism. Certainly no concerns over long-term form. It's just possibly he's an 18-year-old kid who needs a bit of a rest sometimes. Yeah. Strange to believe that two met performances out of, what, 40, 50 probably so far in his career and all of a sudden let's bench him. Yeah, that's a pull the other one maybe a little bit from my point of view, I think. Um, but the man of the moment, really, um, Peter, when we mentioned him briefly in your summary, and that's Edison Cavani, he scored twice, um, really nice, well-taken header for the first one and a nice opportunistic one as well with a great ball over the top and does well to to maintain it that's his well it's his 13th goal of the season in 12 games that's excellent form isn't it it is yeah um it's what we've come to expect from from edinson cavani um i mean he's come out very well since the penalty spot fiasco um all those weeks back and we were wondering well how were, how were psg going to move forward where was cavani's position in the team but he's he's, he's got his head down and he, he's worked hard um I don't think we've seen anything different to previous Cavani's. I think he's all, apart from, of course, uh, well, last season we saw what he was like without Ibrahimovic there. It's been good to see him standing up for himself against another big name in Neymar. Um, you just get the impression, though, that he's, there's just a, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I, I do like Cavani, but there is still that side to him. I find that he does have a, as many chances he scores, he misses just as many. And I know whenever he, whenever PSG are on the on TV, commentators go on about his goal scoring record, whatever. But he's in a side that create a lot, and he could score more. From <laughs> and maybe I'm being hypercritical, but I do feel like there he is relatively wasteful. But but that said, recent form he's been very very good. Um, his goal, the free kick against Marseille, um, showed another level to him. Uh, um, not match winner, but. Uh, a man to drag them out of a, a difficult situation and then against Nice two goals early on two very good goals so you can't really argue with this form he is giving um, Emery questions especially if you know if you want to believe that the Neymar stories about him wanting Cavani out and all of that um, whether there's any truth to that I'm not sure but um, he's done very well and I think what's been very positive to see from a PSG sports perspective is how well he's come out of the penalty spot fiasco and, and you know he's pushed on and he's scoring goals and that's that's what you want from him yeah looking at his record so far this season i mean there's, there's been two games so far this season against leon and against montpellier obviously where he hasn't scored in every other single game every single one against Bayern munich against andlecht against marseille scoring goals there's there's even in fact there's more often where he scored a he's scored a goal and created assist he's either scored twice or scored and had an assist and he's had one goal which is really impressive really i know i know we do bag on him quite often because he does seem to miss the harder chance the easier chances sometimes and scores these sometimes much more difficult goals but he does bag them away and i think we do maybe do a little bit on him and we talk just as this is a belated progress after we uh, postponed yesterday that they're literally walking out the tunnel 
uh, and Lecter at this moment, Jez. This should really be another sort of routine win that possibly puts them into the next round now in the uh, Champions League. Yeah, I mean, I'd be shocked if it was anything other than a PSG win um, you know, against most teams, but they certainly have got a, a very good record against Anderlecht. You know, smashed them a couple of years back with, with uh, Zlatan getting all the goals and, you know, comfortable win away from home. So I wouldn't expect anything other than, than a win. But, um, in terms of Cavani, I, I pretty much agree with, I think, everything that, that Peter said. I, even the first goal against Nice, I've watched it so many times, I'm still not actually convinced that it's his goal. I still think it's an own goal. But, I, yeah, I, I think, in a way, the, the penalty fiasco has very much worked to his advantage because I'm not sure he's necessarily a player that thrives on you know, having the adoration of the crowds, but it must be a good feeling to know that most of the crowds seem to have taken your side, especially against a player like Neymar. Um, and he does seem to be thriving off that. And I'm really not a big fan, but I'm more positively disposed towards him since the since the penalty gate and over the last two matches than I ever have been before. I just, I still think that it's his lot and it's PSG's lot because of their sort of financial domination over everyone else in Liga that they shouldn't be judged in Liga. They should be judged in the Champions League in the new year. Even, you know, even scoring against um, uh, Bayern that's in a bit of disarray. Um, in the group stages, um, yeah, it's, it's you know obviously it's not a bad thing, but you know I I still think I'm still not convinced Cavani is the absolutely world class striker that's going to basically win you the Champions League. You know I, I, I I'm going really to yeah from just sorry to interrupt you Nathan. No, go um, ahead. Because, you know, we, we want to see, when we are assessing someone like Cavani, we want to see him on the European stage. And when you look at the other two, obviously Neymar's done it before. Mbappe last year in his breakout season didn't just do it in Ligue 1, he did it in the Champions League, and that's how he established his reputation. And Cavani's got to do that on, on the European stage, and I don't think he's done that to date. So it'd be very interesting to see how he, he fits in. He is the, the, essentially the weak link of the, the top, the, the trio, isn't he? So, yeah, no, I, I, that's a really good point. I'm going to go slightly against both of you, really, and back the Uruguayans' corner. I, I think he could be good enough, really, to be a Champions League winner, especially with the talent around him now, um, and him being the focal point, especially being the man in the centre where he plays the best. I just have a feeling that if they continue the sort of good form they've had in the Champions League, I think they've been excellent so far. They can keep that going if they get a okay draw in this round, this round, next round, just to sort of level things out a little bit and get into an extra bit of form ready for the, the tough tie, the real tough ties that can happen in Europe after that, um, then they've got half a chance. And I think he's good enough to get the goals, really. He's, he has shown it at times before. He scored the goals against Chelsea. He, he tends to turn up in the Champions League games. He's not certainly not hidden this season, scored against Bayern Munich, like I mentioned earlier. I, I, I give him a little bit of a hope. But let's talk about the team they beat on Friday evening. And we mentioned last on the... Uh, on the show last week that obviously I wasn't a part of Peter, that um, Nisa are falling fast, but they're in 17th now, which is astonishing. Yes, there's a there's a glut of teams sort of on 9, 10, 11 points, which is why they are so far down the table, but they were awful, weren't they? Yeah, it was it was a very disappointing display from, from Nice. Um, it didn't offer very much going forward, and I think it was interesting to see Schneider, because we were talking about him last week, and... Um, uh, Lucien Favre had always said that you know he needs time to ad to adjust. I think there was talk that they weren't happy with the condition he arrived in. Um, this, it seems like Schneider and Balotelli isn't ideal. I don't think it was a very good decision to play both of them against PSG when you're going to need a high work rate. Well, Balotelli is not renowned for that. Um, Schneider is getting on a bit. So it was. <laughs> that said, you know he's still got a he's still got time to prove himself. Um, but yeah, they weren't very good at all. I mean. He went with a back five, um, and it sort of stifled not only... Well, it stifled themselves more than it did PSG. Um, I've, I've, I've been critical of Dante, I've, uh, Dante last week. I think, again, he didn't look great. Um, he looks more off the pace than he has been before. He has been excellent um, in, in recent times for Nice, but 
uh, last few games, he, he seems to have fallen off a little bit. It does feel a bit like a malaise rather than anything overly serious. I, I mean, there's, all, there's always the mention of, of Favre when he was at Gladbach and, you know, when it goes wrong, it just falls completely apart. But I, I don't get that impression just yet. Um, I think the, the, the return of Cyprian will be a huge boost for them. He's back in full training. So maybe, well, I think we... I mean, it has. You can't. You can't deny the fact that it's been what four game, four losses in a row. Five, if you include Lazio. Um, <laughs> you're level on points with Strasbourg. Um, it's yeah. It's it's not a good sign at the moment. Um, I, I yeah. So I, I it was very. I was disappointed with the, the lack of en um, enterprise and endeavour against against PSG. Um, yeah, it, it was disappointing wasn't it really but one thing that did really not help factors really Jez and uh, although he's come under a lot of criticism Johan Cardinal was going to start and then was injured in the warm-up Walter Benitez comes in it's a great chance for the young lad and he concedes within about two minutes to a it's, should he keep that header out is that is that maybe asking a little bit too much of a young goalkeeper but it's it's not the ideal start for a team that's already struggling uh it's not but I don't know. I I didn't really see it as as his fault. Um, it was a, it was a good run by by Cavani, and I'm, I'm not sure you usually have the keeper covering the near post like that on a corner or free kick. I can't remember which it was, but um, I I thought generally he had a pretty decent match. I'm not sure he could have done much really with any of the goals, considering he was sort of um, dropped in like that at the last minute. Um, I didn't think it was too bad a performance. It's just, yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but there's there's something sort of there's something not right there. I mean, it, it you know, you're not hearing anything about sort of you know Fav having lost the dressing room or sort of any arguments going on or anything like that. It just seems that they're in a rut that they're struggling to get out of. Um, I saw a stat that that um, showed the the points totals of various teams compared to last year and it's quite interesting that PSG and even Monaco had more points than they did this time last year Nice were they're 19 points worse off than they were at the same stage last year which is shocking um, I you know I don't, I don't think that they're, they're in any real danger of relegation or anything like that but they really should should have been looking to, to push on or at least sort of try to match last year last year's run i don't think other than psg or monaco on paper i don't think there should be any other teams that that they should compare themselves unfavorably to but you know the, i can't see them finishing sort of in european places now um which is yeah it's a bit sad for schneider i just for me i think he's a he looks a bit of a busted flush and yeah he, he arrived out of shape i'm not sure he's in any better shape at all now <laughs> No, he's he's been a bit pretty big disappointment, and there's been a fair few that have been this season. They just look, I, I don't know. There just seems to be a almost a disorganisation around them. There doesn't seem to be a plan. There doesn't seem to be a, a, a style. There was a style you associated with Nice last season. They were they they were willing to get forward. They were exciting. They were pacey down the wings. They had options. They just don't seem like anything like that in the moment, and they don't seem like they have that verve in midfield. I, I don't think. Any of the midfielders are really playing superbly. I know Seri had a really good start to the season, but he's quietened a little bit because Yellow as well. They they do need that Cyprian spark. If he can come back sooner rather than later, it might just help them uh, lift themselves out because they they are seventeenth in the table is crazy. And, and like you say, Jess, that stat is that's incredible. That put the difference in points is absolutely astonishing. But uh, I read it and had to check because I thought that can't be right, but it is. <laughs> It, it feels like an anomaly, doesn't it? 19 points sounds way too much. It, it sounds like they almost... It's, we're forgetting how good they were at the start of last season, I think, more than anything as well. They were they were sensational. But a team that are coming up big when they need it now are, are Monaco, who won 2-0 against a, a slowly sliding Bordeaux, really. Um, Peter, how big is it that they look like they're getting back on the horse after a, what has been a pretty frightful October? Uh it's good for Liga anyway. Um, it's good to keep them within range of PSG. Um, they're not letting them get away too soon. Um, you're right, it hasn't been the best October. Um, the defeat to Lyon was kicking the teeth. Um, undone by Fakir. 
Champions League wise, it's been awful. Um, tomorrow night is huge when they go to to Istanbul. Um, but the last two results have been good. You know, they've been beating a decent Khan side. They started the season really well, sort of under the radar. We haven't talked about them too much, but they have done well. And and Bordeaux, who seem to have, you know, fallen away and joined the list of teams who've had a relatively bad October. I mean, with Nice and uh, and Lille when we get on to them. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's good for the division that they're doing well. Um, and it looks like. Jardim's finally finding some kind of uh, consistency. I think the last two results have shown that he he sort of reverted back to a four-two-three-one and, and securing games rather than um, last season. It was all about that four-four-two, the options going forward, and the dynamism in in the in midfield. Um, and he's leaning towards that three. And we'll talk about Tielemans in a bit, but that he's part of it. And Ensuring that they're that they're solid at the back, solid in midfield, and and and, and securing games. Uh, the loss of Bakayoko, I think, has been important, and I think he's been looking for a way around that. Because um, we have, as well as Monaco starting, they have done, and it's, it's quite extraordinary that they've got more points than they did last season. Um, there has been that sense that they ha- they're not uh, a finished article, they're not a finished product, they're still adapting, and there's a number of different faces that are coming in um, to to fit into that um, setup. So. I feel it does feel like they're getting there, but Liga is a very different kettle of fish to to the Champions League, uh, which we've seen. Yeah, and see, I do worry about them tomorrow, but we'll get on to that in a moment. I I do want to talk about two players, the, well, the two players that ended up scoring in this game, and they were relatively scrappy goals, really. Just, but I I know you have a deeper love for Tom Lamar, especially, and we've we've mentioned on the show how much he needs to sort of raise himself this season to be that pillar that they lean on, of, of especially in a creative sense. In the last couple of games, do you feel like he's slowly starting to anap- well, command th- this team a little bit more? I think he is. It's very strange how he sort of had that that match against the Netherlands. I think it was, it was the last day of the transfer window and he'd sort of, you know, the whole day it was all this stuff. Is he going to go to Arsenal? Is he going to go to Liverpool? In the end, he stayed, wasn't distracted by all of that and had you know, man and the match performance for France. Um, and since that match, um, I know he had he had a minor injury as well, missed a couple of matches, but he's sort of really gone into his shell. And he does seem a kind of player who, you know, small, unassuming, you know, long eyelashes. He does seem the kind of player who, who is shy and maybe could be the type to, to go into a show like that but it's strange that you thought just as he's you know coming to the world's attention and really ready to kick on it it, it went the other way um maybe that maybe that was the thing maybe he, he wasn't used to the such attention and found it hard to handle but i think he's possibly that's another reason why he was right to stay at Monaco for another season. I think, you know, it's such a good setup there. I think Jardim looks after all their players so well. And yeah, I think it does look like he's, he's sort of coming back to his best. And, you know, it was a bit of luck with the um, with the shot that it went through Costil's legs. But I mean, the, the way he controlled that long ball and, and, you know, used body swerves to get past a couple of defenders. It's fantastic. And in full flight, I still think he's one of one of the, um, I was going to say most beautiful. I think I'm overdoing it with the eyelashes. And beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, aesthetically pleasing players to watch in Ligue 1 at the moment. Yeah, we'll, we'll deny any romantic links between yourself and, and Thomas. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Eh, just. <laughs> um, so I do want to talk about two of the new signings really this summer as well, um, who slowly sort of integrated Peter, and that's uh, Kaita Balde, who's grabbed two goals in two games and, and debutised ahead of a, a slightly sore Ranamal Falcao at the weekend and, and could do tomorrow night as well for, as uh, Falcao is uh, not in the squad with a with a minor injury. And, and Tielemans, who's, he's starting to get games as well and he's, Played a little bit more reserved in this one. It was more Jean Moutinho playing as that sort of centre-attacking mid role that they tried against uh, RB Leipzig, I think, was the last time they tried that sort of 4-3-3 formation before. How do you think those two are fitting into this uh, different look that Monaco are going for? Uh, they're adapting well. I think um, it's Adam White and Eric Devin wrote a really good article for, for GFFN uh, and The Guardian on, on Kaita Balde and how he is adapting and he's 
he seems to be a key part of Jardim's plans, but it's been a case of where, where is he going to fit? And he's shown himself to be adaptable. I mean, against Bordeaux, he started up top on his own um, and, and scored, scored a really good goal. Um, in his last four games, a couple of goals, a couple of assists as well. So he, he's slowly um, finding his feet. I think there was a lot of expectation. Of course, there's always the Mbappe comparison. Um, there's also the, the, the pressure of leading a, of his reputation for, as well, because he he was a superb for Lazio by all accounts um, last season. So, yeah, he's 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 getting there, and we're starting to see some of the player that we thought he could be. Um, and yeah, as you as you said, he 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 can he's shown himself to be an option with Falcao instead of Falcao, um, as well as obviously being a, a wide man who comes inside. Um, but Tielemans, he's I think he's had a much slower uh, birth into to Liga. It's been a a case of adapting. Um, you're right. The last time I think it was in the Champions League, and that game passed him by. Um, he was relatively absent within that. Um, but in a free with Moutinho and Fabinho, it seems that they've they've sort of found that solidity, and that's what Jardim's been looking for. I think um, losing Bakayoko made a, a four four two less usable um, than it is, and and Tielemans hasn't really pushed on. And doesn't offer that sort of um, dynamism in, in his sense, um, and he hasn't shown that creative um, ex- um, goal scoring potential that he had at Anderlecht yet. Uh, I think yeah is is an important word to use. Um, last two games he started both. Last two games they've won both and they've kept clean sheets. So I think he's got a good opportunity to kick on now. I think Jardim uh, Jardim's finding the the right setup for him, um, and I think with time we'll see more of him. Um, he can be a lot better than we've seen. I think, um, but he, he's at the right place to to, to make that uh, development. Mm, yeah, I think I think the shift in formation will really help both him and Jao Moutinho a bit. I think that playing a little bit deeper in a three-man midfield sort of suits Tielemans a little bit more. He can sort of spread passes about. He can do little bits and pieces a little better. And also, I think Moutinho then doesn't have to rely on his defensive ability as much, which isn't the best side of his game. He's maybe the nice play way of putting it. He can be a little bit more free-flowing and creative. And he obviously sets up that second for... Uh, for um, well, that he, I think he had a hand in both the goals. I think at the weekend as well, especially the Kaita Balde one as well. But he, he looked much more at home, being um, not having that shackle to sort of move back and uh, join Fabinho when they were needed. But I, I do want to talk about the game tomorrow, which is against Besiktas. In that horrendous, well, I, I absolutely love the Vodafone Arena. I think it's one of the best arenas in in world football. But Jez, there was the story a couple of well, it's almost a month ago now, actually, when RB Leipzig were there. I, I know he was. He was ill, so he won't. It might be a little bit harsh to say, but uh, Timo Werner was wearing um, earplugs to try and deal with the the noise inside that ferocious arena. Is maybe the nice way of putting it for for the Turkish side. That's one hell of a place to go where you need a result, isn't it? It is, and um, I think if they'd if they'd won the the home match, um, it might be slightly different. But having lost it, Shardim sort of. He's proven himself to be quite pragmatic in the past. I'm not even convinced he's going to go for a win. Um, uh, I guess maybe he'll sort of suggest they sort of start off strongly, and after a while, if you know, a bit like I can't remember which match it was last season. I think in one of the cups, um, sort of have a go, and if after a while it doesn't look like going anywhere, they sort of sh- shut up shop and and sort of. Um, sleepwalk the rest of it until the weekend. Like, you know, the odds are so stacked against them, and as you said, it's you know it's a nightmare place to go at the best of times. That when you really need a result, um, and I do feel that it's a Monaco team that's still extremely talented. And you know, as, as you both said earlier, that they're arguably in a better position than than they should be considering the sort of overhaul from last year. But it does feel like a, a team that's still kind of gradually finding its feet. Um, certain players maybe not too experienced on the European stage, um, and they are being found out a little. And you know, going to a place like Besiktas, I suppose, um, long term is the kind of place that you know could either make you or break you. And yeah, Werner's reaction was was pretty strange and not something you've heard of before, despite 
the, the reputation that Turkish grounds have for for generating a lot of noise. Um, you know, possibly after everything I said about Lamar going into his shell, I wouldn't be too surprised if he was rested. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, th I think, but I think Jardim will say, give it a quick go, and if it doesn't look like we're gonna gonna get any kind of win, um, damage limitation, and and onto to Liga, even if that means even if that's at the expense of the Europa League. Yeah, it could be one of those things where they they might he might even try and shut up shop for the first twenty minutes, hope that that might settle everyone down a little bit, maybe get them a bit frustrated, and uh, do something from there. But I can't think of a thing in world football that could be different between the Stade de Louis de atmosphere and the atmosphere at Vodafone <laughs> Arena tomorrow night. It's going to be um, allowed. Might be the difference uh, between the two. Um, I do want to talk about Bordeaux though, the team they they beat at the weekend, Peter and. They've been sort of sliding in the last couple of weeks. They've they've drawn a couple of games and lost a couple of big ones as well. They've stopped scoring goals, haven't they? Yeah, that's the one of the main issues really with with Bordeaux it is goals, and it shouldn't really be the case with the attacking potential they've got. I mean, they've scored three in their last five and none from their last two. Um, and when you've got players, obviously we, we can go to Malcolm, but you've got Depravo, you've got Camano. Um, you've got options as well from the bench. You've got Mendy, and they're not chipping in. That's the the fundamental issue. Um, they've been very reliant on Malcolm, and a lot has been said about how good he's been, and he has been excellent. And I think he was very good again against Monaco. Um, but but when Malcolm's not scoring, and when say he's not at the races, and we haven't really seen that, um, you need the rest of your teammates to step up, and um, that's not really happened um, for Bordeaux. Um, Depreville is a, he arrived from from Lille. Great reputation, um, has goals in, and we know he's got goals in him. He hasn't scored in seven yet, and that that's a that's an issue because that's something that will play on his mind, and it's something that they'll want to address as as soon as possible. Um, I don't think they're in a crisis or anything uh, like that. Um, it's more of a just they need a jolt, I think, um, to get out of this this slump. Um, they may have been I don't know a bit a bit tipsy from their early season form and. The PSG results certainly knocked them to six, and the last few results have been underwhelming, and going forward they have been underwhelming too. Uh, we can also talk about their defensive problems. Um, I mean, Toulalon has, has, has been, we, we would mentioned him before, is he a centre-half, is he quick enough? Ian Levchuk didn't have the best of times against Keita. Uh, um, but yeah, it's, it's up front that's the problem uh, at the moment, and it's, it's something that uh, Gorvanek will want to address as quickly as possible. Just to take some of the weight off of, of Malcolm, um, he is the star man. That's become very clear this season, uh, if it wasn't already before. And you've got to you've got to help him out. And it's, and it's it's the teammates got to look at themselves and think how else can can we aid the side? Mm, yeah, it's it's a rough patch for them, isn't it? And and like it's three goals in the last four games, but two of those came in that Paris Saint Germain six two defeat. So you might as well strike them from the record, really. To be fair, I, again, Depreval had a couple of good chances again, and he didn't score. And and Camano had a really good chance. They they weren't completely out of that Monaco game, really. They actually were standing toe for toe, and they've had a couple of unlucky goals, really. But they need to start doing better if they want to face, chase the uh, the European European places. But Two teams that do need to start doing better, really. It's that Bielsa derby that finished off the uh, the weekend on Sunday. And it was Marseille that came out on top in the end. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't the greatest of games, putting it lightly, really, Jez. But um, there's a bit of glimmer in the hope in all that misery surrounding Lille, isn't there? They, they, they have something there now. From what I've seen, it's, it's definitely definitely looked like the best performance of, of the season. I mean, possibly discounting Nantes, which is, feels like such a long time ago now. Um, you know, I, I definitely think they they were unlucky to to lose this match. And you know, Sanson scored very early on, and and it was pretty much more or less all Lille from then. Um, obviously helped by the fact that Evra was in the Marseille team. But um, I and you know, Montanda had a good game. I think people have overdone slightly. The raving about him, I think they were all pretty run-of-the-mill saves, and most of them, I think, he dropped into dangerous areas and was just lucky that there weren't any little players following up. But that's just a bugbear of mine with Mondanda. But um, yeah, I, th I think that there's there's sort of 
reasons to be a bit more hopeful, possibly an even bigger reason to be hopeful is that they're playing Mets next. Um, <laughs> in theory, an easy three points for them. Um, but, you know, it shouldn't be coming to this that there's still, it's still not free flowing. They're still playing Pepe up front, which is still just completely incomprehensible to me. Um, there's definitely still issues. You know, there's practically every day in the papers now there's speculation. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Um, I think there was something about Campos coming from um, an emergency trip back from America or something for, for emergency talks, which is never a good sign. Um, so, you know, they really need to turn things around quickly. It's all very well. Um, looking better on the pitch, but the bottom line is they still lost the match. Um, and yeah, they need to, to at least consolidate in terms of performance, but more importantly, in terms of turn those performances into points. Yeah, it was a frustrating, really, one in the end. But what must have been really frustrating, Peter, is the, the simplicity of the Marseille goal. I mean, it's it's a free kick on the right and it's put into the only area really where you can do something. There's no one marshalling that area. Sanson wanders into it and scores a goal. And again, it puts Lille on the back foot, even though they did perform pretty well. Other than that, it's they're playing from behind all the time, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the best of starts. And I think a lot of, of recent speculation of their recent form, would have it can result in things like that. I mean, they are a very young side. Um, you're playing at home. It's a big game against Marseille. You need the points. The manager's under pressure. He's not exactly a a quiet voice in the dressing room when he gets them in for team talks, I imagine. So maybe there's a little bit of nerves with that. And they, it's just a case of lack of communication. It was very, very straightforward. I mean, it's Tovan's looked up. There's <laughs> Samson's got so much space, plays the ball seven yards out, you know, there's no mistake there. So a little bit of their recent form may have played into that, but it's an inexcusable goal to concede. And like you said, they're then on the back foot uh, chasing the game. What Bielsa will take from it, though, was was a response. And I agree with Jez. I, I was impressed with, with what I've seen of of Lille in that game. Um, it looked like they, they were harrying Marseille. They were causing them difficulties. Um, they were creating opportunities. Not clear-cut opportunities, which is a, a, a problem. Um, they did test Mondanda, as, as Jez was saying. But, you know, they, they, these weren't exactly one-on-ones. These weren't uh, opportunities in, in potent areas where the, the statos would say, you know, have high expected goals from them. So from that side, you know, that's, that's an area to work on. But it's, it was a response that, that will, be, will be something that Bielsa can take. But it does feel like it's a case of almost too little too late, really. Um, I think fair play to, to to Lopez if he does choose to keep Bielsa, because um, loyalty like that doesn't exist in the game so <laughs> for so long. And he has made such sweeping changes, and there has been so much investment behind him that to to sack him to to call the project off because that's what it would be. It would be to say this project has failed, um, the project to to turn Lille into a footballing force again. Um, it, it's a big step to take, so I can see why they've taken so long, but. It, you know they they are nineteenth. They are cut adrift at the bottom. It's not they're not um, just you know in by the skin of their teeth for goal difference. They don't look like winning. I mean, Marseille uh, they they did well last week against PSG, but they were not themselves in <laughs> very good at all. I think their half first half pass completion rate was fifty five percent or something like that. I read so you know that could be down to Leo's pressing uh, part of it, but um, it's it's a difficult situation and. and you know, you look at the, the, the changes Bielsa's brought in, the, the, the casting out of names like, like uh, Enyema, who apparently is back in the squad. Um, and it seems like it's been too, too much too quickly. And now <laughs> when the form's changing, it's too little too late. So there are some also some concerning aspects. You know, like there was, I've read something about um, an argument with, with Malqui, who I think has been excellent. He's been one of the few players who have done it so far. And it seems like apparently there's been a falling out between the manager and him. So... Those are the kind of signs you don't want to see. Um, not that it's unusual for El Loco, but it, it doesn't bode well. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's difficult to see where they go. I can imagine they may keep him for next week. 
Um, then he gets a win against Mets and he stays a little longer. But to to pull the, the chain on him and and to to pull the project off is uh, would be a major major step. So that's probably why they've delayed it. But it's very close now. <laughs> yeah, players falling out with Marcello Bielsa. I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm surprised it's taken this long more than anything. I think. Um, let's talk about their opponents really now, Jez, in Marseille, who were probably just as frustrating, really, even though they won. Um, it, it was another case of them, again, against one of these smaller sides, you would say, in Liga, and at least not saying Lila smaller necessarily. They're obviously just in a, in a very rough, rough patch of form, but they go a goal ahead and they sort of switch off again. I, I sort of had a bit of a meltdown and rant a couple of weeks ago about how, you know, I, I love Ligan, I want to defend it, but the fact that this Marseille and this Nantes team are, I think at the time they were both in the top five or six, um, are, of Ligan is is not a very positive um, uh, a sign for the quality of Ligue 1 at the moment. Um, possibly I, I sort of overreacted, but I still feel the same in particular about Nantes and Marseille. Um, I think they're two extremely average sides and um, both of whom have been very, very lucky to to amass as many points as they have and to be in the positions that they are. I think um, I just, I think this Marseille side I was going to say flatters to deceive, but just to be honest, I just think most of the time they, they simply don't play very well. Um, it's I realise that, that form is a factor, but the other day there, there was Sanson Germain and I can't remember now who the third one was, but three like fantastically creative players all warming up on, on, on the sideline and part of me felt any team that has those players and doesn't play them doesn't deserve anything. Um, you know, I realized Germain has been in, you know, really bad form since, um, well kind of preseason was great. And then the first couple of, I think European matches and I don't think he scored in Ligue 1 yet. Sanson has, I the other one was Lopez, by the way. Sanson also hasn't been, fantastic but I think he's being sort of mucked around a bit by Garcia being played in various different positions mostly ones that he's clearly not comfortable in um, and you know I think the fact that Ocampos is arguably Marseille's player of the season so far this year kind of says it all about the sort of dour way in which they're playing um, but at the same time I suppose you've got to hand it to them that they're, they're, they're sort of making themselves hard to beat they're, they're getting um, uh, a decent number of points and you know even taking this match they they did what they had to do they took the chance that was given to them by, by Lille's awful defending at the start and um, you know even though it was a case of holding on holding on they did they you know another clean sheet and another three points um, it's I suppose it's one of those things that you know if it's the team you support you might sheepishly uh, say that it's the result that counts, even though you'd rather you were doing it in some style. But whatever any fan says, they'd rather be winning points playing badly than playing beautiful football and, and coming up short. Yeah, that's, it's the, always the, the double-edged sword there, isn't it? Do you want to play nice football but lose, or do you want to play bad football but win? It's uh, I know which one I would pick off the time, but... It, Peter, does it still feel like this Marseille side doesn't know what its best eleven is at the moment? I mean, they started a, a front three of Tovan and uh, Ocampos and Mitroglou at the weekend, but the, the Greek international was pretty poor and taken off just after half-time, and they never really clicked as well, although they were pretty poor all over the field. Again, they just they haven't found that formula yet, have they? No, um, it's, they do feel a bit disjointed, and... Like Jez was saying, it's 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 it feels like there are a number of different players who could be playing. There's a number of different ways of playing. I think with with Germain, as you mentioned before, I feel like he's definitely a second striker. He's not a pump man on his own, um, and he's he's not, you don't bring him in for goals. He's he, I mean he's he's never really been a prolific goal scorer himself. It's what he does for the rest of the team and bringing in different players. Um, I don't know with, with, with Marseille. I mean, they've 
they are trying different things. Um, it's, it doesn't feel like it's working necessarily. Like they, Mitroglou, as you said, was hasn't offered anything yet. I've seen against PSG, he was anonymous. Uh, last night, he was anonymous against a really poor defence. Um, so that doesn't bode well. Um, Tovan has been consistent. I have to give him that. Um, but it, it doesn't. It feels like. I mean, they have gone since they were undressed by Monaco. Six games unbeaten, I think it is now. So, as Jess was saying, they've made themselves hard to beat. They're grinding out results, and they're very much in the race for the Champions League places. But last couple of games that I've seen of them, they've been pretty pretty shoddy, um, with the exception of PSG. Um, but, but PSG, you can you can treat as an exception to the rule because of what it is. It's Le Classique and everything that was said in the build-up from PSG, which just made it a, just a bit comical that, that, that they expected Marseille to roll over. Um but against Strasbourg, they were really, really poor. Uh, we've talked about this before, uh, Nathan. It was a great game to watch, but they were awful. And I think Strasbourg are third from bottom. They played Lille second from bottom. And both those sides, they've conceded 37 shots against, which is extraordinary. Um, not something you'd expect from a side chasing Champions League uh, football um, with ambitions for better. Obviously, there's a number of new names in the squad and you get all the transition stuff, ETC, but it's very difficult to say what their playing style is. You can't really pin down a first eleven. You can, you can pick out certain names you can say should, that are starting and are clearly important. Um, but there are others who just fit in and out. There are others who you feel like they should be playing. Um, when you have, like Jez was saying, Stanson or, or Maxime Lopez on the bench and you're not giving them the opportunities and... It's, yeah, it's they're a halfway house, and I feel like they are. The results are hiding uh, a difficult. Uh, uh, the results are hiding what their poorer performances and their the shoddy display shouldn't uh, be masked by by what we've seen necessarily. Um, but it's progress, I think, and that's that's what Marseille fans will take. Um, progress from the Monaco result, that is, um, and that's keeping Garcia, I guess. Even even the best need to win ugly is what the Marseille fans will probably take out of it more than anything. Um, let's move on to our, our Liga snapshots now. And this is one of my favourite parts of the week where we talk about our favourite moments that you might have missed in Liga this week. And I, I'll start with you, Peter. Um, what's your Liga snapshot? Okay, so mine's not too exciting this week, but there's a, a couple of glorious goalkeeping nutmegs. So one for Cyprian Tatrasanu um, <laughs> for Nantes. Um, he will really uh, feel he should have done better from uh, Julio Tavares' header against Dijon. It's the only goal of the game. They lost that 1-0. And, of course, uh, Benoit Costi uh, against Monaco, who gifted Lamar his goal. Uh, but to be fair to Lamar, I mean, it was nice to see him cut inside and, and force the initiative. It's something that I wanted to see more from him. And Jez was talking about his eyelashes earlier, and it's the same kind of thing. You know, he, he needs to take games by the scruff of the neck and if we go with the, the metaphor he needs to be a bit rougher so um but yeah costi did give it uh did gift him it uh second goalkeeping nutmeg of uh importance yeah i think i'll let you off on this one i'm usually the harbinger of the fantastic save of the week to really back up goalkeepers <laughs> but they there were some terrible ones this weekend <laughs> people letting them go through their legs um jez what what about yourself just on that, I'd say that um, Costil and Subasic both came out with some, with um, fantastic sort of, one, you know, strong arm in the air saves in in that match as well. Um, in Costil's defence, um, my one, I'm going to go the other way and, and talk about a couple of great goals. Um, Rod de Lance for Caen, sort of um, Stuart McCall style chest and volley into the into the top corner, which. Um, I think he's quite a maligned player. I think at Lille, he seems sort of quite ungainly. And uh, at Caen, um, you know, there were even a couple of matches where the home fans booed him. But actually, I think he's turned into a sort of re really reliable striker who probably doesn't get the credit he deserves. So it was nice to sort of see him score a, a screamer. And then the other one was um, Tokoy Kambi's goal for, for Angers against Strasbourg, which was sort of 
a one-two and nutmeg and a and a really accomplished finish into the far corner, which I just thought is it's one of those ones that doesn't look spectacular at first glance, but it was actually a you know really skillful, well-worked goal. Yeah, it was really excellent. I really like that Carl Turkoy Kambe goal. It's a it's a really great goal, and he's had a fantastic season. I, I, I'm going to go with a comical one myself because I. I being the man that doesn't really, well, I bag on Lucas Acampos a lot, but I, I do like giving him a rib now and then. He did, and he absolutely, definitely deserves it after um, the farcical second yellow for Neymar last weekend that uh, I obviously didn't mention on the main show, but I mentioned plenty on the preview show if anyone tuned in that might discuss it. So I'll take a nice ribbing for him here, where in the uh, final moments of the Leo game, um, Magnon came up for the for the corner, missed it, and uh, Acampos is. Well, not through. There's a couple of players in front of him. He tries to shoot a goal, and it is one of the worst shots at an open goal you will ever see. Um, it gets absolutely nowhere. Um, it it doesn't really. Some see you can argue when players go, oh, it goes over the bar. That's not terrible. If it goes slightly wide, that's not terrible. That's not too bad. Or if it's the post, or if it doesn't, even if it doesn't quite have the legs, sometimes if it's straight, it's not. You go, well, it's maybe just a, a bit of one. But his goes absolutely nowhere. It, go, it goes close to the corner flag. It's abysmal. It sort of sums up both what we expect usually from a Campos, at least. And uh, and, Le- and well, Marseille's indifferent season of having a moment of glory right in front of them, only to uh, miss it wildly. Um, but let's v- finish very briefly on the, on the breaking news, really, from from earlier today and that's Deschamps new contract and I also do want to quickly mention that um that well you're here especially with uh Jez that um obviously Mets have a new permanent manager as well in there uh, Frederick Hans who's been named the head coach there so I'll start with that one with you Jez uh, what's your reaction to the news of uh Hans taking over at uh at Mets um I'm happy enough with that I think he's got um I read an actually I read an article about him today saying our mess have mess appointed him um with next season in mind, basically saying we're definitely gonna get relegated and he's got a great record in getting teams up because he doesn't have a great record in Liga. And it sort of listed various relative failures within League A but completely ignored his whole Bastia career, which was a bit bizarre because surely that's proof that he is capable of keeping a, a small poor team in the top division um i think he's he's a proven manager he can work well with limited resources um i think probably they are in too bad a position for him to save them but i think he's gonna get them playing tighter more disciplined football i think possibly philip hinchberger was simply too nice a guy when it came down to it um i don't think hans suffers fools gladly at all um, so I think he'll make Mets harder and harder to beat. Um, and hopefully they'll react. But yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm still not confident for them um, saving themselves. And I think the match against Lille is absolutely massive for, for both. I mean, we talked earlier about um, you know how, how Bielsa... Um, you know, if he gets a win, then then it will take the pressure off for a little bit. If if Mets do manage to win that match, then surely Bielsa has to go. I mean, of all the teams to lose to, that that would look pretty bad. Um, so uh, I'm pleased. I'm pleased with the appointment, but I'm still depressed about the season as a whole. <laughs> I don't think anyone will blame you for that, but I, I think I really like the appointment as well. I, I remember me and Eric mentioning last season we were pretty disappointed when Molly Montpellier sort of gave for uh, Frederick Hans the, uh, the sack for not much of, they were in a little bit of a bad run, but they weren't playing bad football or anything. And it's not like Derzakarian was really going to give you the biggest hope or the, uh, the interims that were in the, uh, in between. But I think he's at least someone that might give them the slightest glimmer of hope. If they can maybe do something in January, maybe have something about them a little bit. Let, let's see what he can hopefully do to a, uh, Due to the team to bring him out the mire a little bit after nine defeats and ten games, it I can understand you not being too optimistic at least. Anyway, Jess, um, let's talk about the France manager as well. Then um, Peter Deschamps is staying till twenty twenty. Um, there was a rumor that, and obviously take this with a grain of salt. There's no confirmation of this, but there is a 
get out clause for the uh, for the French FA should they decide to bin him after the World Cup if it doesn't go quite as well as uh, they hope it might do. But what, what do you think to giving him a new contract? Well, as I said before, we came on air. You know, it's, it's questionable to give someone a contract before the major tournament. That's how I see it. But if there is that get-out clause, then then fine. Um, Deschamps is one that really divides opinion. Some people admire him. Some people don't. He likes certain players. He likes others. It's uh, for me. I, I, some of his decisions that he makes are are, are baffling. But it, what matters are results. So you know, they've qualified for the World Cup um relatively easily um you know then if they go on to they should really in my opinion be challenging for the, for the world cup title with the squad they have um then and if they don't do that they don't look like a side that's going to compete if they crash out in the straight after the group stages or in the quarterfinals then he should go because they have such a strong talent pool that you, you've got to be pushing these players and if one manager's not up to the job then then you know then someone else should come in so the only logic I can see is that you, you give him the contract and it reinforces his position. I imagine that there are a, lot, a number of big names in the squad, a lot of um, people who will have, will have felt aggrieved at his previous decisions. Um, and to back him so strongly makes it much harder for players to have a position of power. And we know what players and power in the French national squad means. So that's one way I, I can see it. Um, it, it, yeah, it gives him some stability coming into the World Cup. So that's that's a positive. I don't necessarily agree with it. In fact, I probably don't, unless there is that get-out clause. Jez, I know you're a, sometimes a little bit more of a supporter of Deschamps to, to a degree, at least. What do you think to the to the New Deal? Um, yeah, in terms of Deschamps, I've always been um, pro, um, slightly less so with some of the decisions recently, but overall, definitely... Um, a big fan of his in terms of um offering him a contract but i just yeah I, I can't decide i've read sort of arguments either way whether the benefits of giving a manager an extension before a major tournament and the, the disadvantages i in this case i don't think it makes much too much difference clause or not i just i think deschamps is not Dominic, I think he's a decent guy. I think if they have a disappointing tournament, he'd do the right thing and walk anyway. Um, and yeah, I, th I think that the argument of sort of you know reinforcing that we've seen so many times that when a manager announces that they're going to leave at the end of, after a tournament or um, at the end of a season, um, they become a lame duck and um, players. In, in my opinion, completely negligently, considering they're paid professionals, seem to stop playing for them. Um, so, you know, at least the fact that he's in theory going to be there um, until 2020, hopefully will, yeah, sort of reassert his authority. And as Peter said, that's possibly more important um, in the France squad than, than um, in other squads. Um, yeah, the the bottom line is that for international managers, for the for the major countries, you shouldn't be judging them on on qualification. You should be judging them on the on the major tournaments. And France have always, practically without fail, struggled to qualify for major tournaments. The only really obvious exception that I can think of is um, 1992, when they won every single qualifier and then were diabolical in the tournament. Um, you know, even 2000 where I think France were, were at their best I think infinitely better than in 98 they you know they scraped past Andorra in a couple of qualifiers lost a couple of qualifiers and um, I think had to rely on another team drawing in the in the last in the last qualifying matches just to qualify automatically so when it comes down to it I don't think qualification is, is relevant um, as long as the team are ready um, next june then i think that's the main thing um and I, I i do think that deschamps gets sometimes unfair stick i know that he's got um a good pool of players to work with but i think there's sort of there's a lot of good players in certain positions and barely any in others and because a lot of them are so young i think the nature of of, of things is that um there's very little consistency so you know for example you've got mbappe and 
Dembele looking like they can beat the world together one match and then next international match they're both on strike to get transfers or you know certain defenders getting injured full backs there simply isn't anyone full stop <laughs> um, you know you can't legislate for your experienced goalkeeper making a terrible mistake so I'm not saying that there aren't fools on his side but I think he gets sometimes really unfair stick um, in a relatively difficult situation I know most international managers would love to be in his position but I don't think it's that that easy a job to manage the players that he's got and um, while I agree that they're a team that could win the World Cup I certainly think there's a good two or three teams that are a lot better than them still at the moment um, whichever players or whichever formation Deschamps puts out yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think the only worry would be is if they do sort of crash and fall earlier than if they fell earlier than the quarterfinals. I think I think you'll probably go. They maybe need someone, someone with a little bit more tactical now. So I think to get the best out of this team and who that is, I, I'm not so certain who they will find. But um, they just need that little bit of an edge to them that seems to be missing at the moment. And I'm not saying Deschamps can't make that. He's a title winner in France, so he, he can't be that bad, can he? Um, so we'll wait and see anyway. But that's all that we have time for this week. My thanks to uh, Jeremy, Peter, and for everyone listening at home. Uh, join us for the preview show on Thursday, and the main show will be back at its usual time and usual place on uh, Monday evening next week. Uh, Abianto and goodbye.